0: Welcome back to the podcast, Who Is It For?, where we talk about who is it actually you for the design you are designing. And today's topic is about something a bit nerdy, uh, I might say, um, and something very important. We're going to talk about design systems. Um, but we, before we jump um, into that, um, I'm going to introduce my guest today, which is Mayor Maryam Isaac, uh, which <laughs> I'm sorry about that.
1: <laughs> Just butchered my name.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's a Danish guy trying to pronounce an English name. That that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, Maryam, can, can you tell me a bit about your background and? What you do because you're based in Israel, but right now we're you're in London, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So hi, I'm Miriam, uh, Isaac, and I'm originally from Manchester, England. I moved to Israel almost about been ten years ago. And I am a web designer to UX designer because when I was building websites and working for different companies, I saw that we had to change. Um, and adapt to the new technologies, and adapt to mobile, and adapt to the developers were asking, okay, what what happens now? What happens now? And we were like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I was like, wait, okay, just that's a good question. I'll circle back to you. <laughs> so we had to go back. And we had to work out well these um larger interaction flows, and at the time it was called interaction design, and then soon involved into this whole thing called UX so I'm basically a self-taught self-trained UX designer out of you know it's either adapt or die sort of thing <laughs> and it's funny because I do get asked how do you learn UX design do you take a course and I was like no it was necessary <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um,
0: so, what is your area of UX design where, where are you focused is it like the whole process or are you a more research analyst or what type of ux would you classify yourself as
1: oh i like to do i like the whole process uh, the whole yeah. process okay yeah <laughs> someone asked me what's your favorite part of, your pro- of the process and i said oh that's like asking me who's my favorite child <laughs> <laughs> i can't answer that i love them all <laughs> nope.
0: okay so you're all over the place
1: <laughs> so i love from the from the beginning like that you know that when the client or the manager comes to you with that one problem, and you you sit together and your whiteboard together and you brainstorm together, I love that. I love that magic. And from you know then researching and interviewing users and looking into analytics and gathering all of that and gathering all the stakeholders and. And moving forward with the idea and the wireframes and the testing, moving into mockups and high fidelity mockups and creating design systems <laughs> and the UI, and then handing that off to developers, and also also following up with developers, seeing how it was implemented and doing testing with them. i Really enjoy working with different engineers as well.
0: And you work in the tech industry, right? So, so, so your UX is, is tech-based and di- digital-based, right?
1: Yeah, I do like a lot of like analytical dashboards, or I'll do applications. Some project I made was like a custom form builder, so you know like Typeform and WooFoo. So yeah. that was a very interesting, that was a very interesting project. And another thing I was working on was like an LMS, which is like a learning management system for schools and for colleges. Um, so yeah, it can range from an app for you know mothers who are busy on the go and want a quick shopping list to you know complex corporate enterprise systems you know it's great i love working on different projects
0: okay so it seems very like you're very well versed like from from the, the consumer base to the business to business
1: Yeah, do B2C and B2B. I mean, I've been been around a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a soft spot for e commerce. I love e commerce. I think um, it's one of my favorite um, verticals to work in. I just love that direct line with the consumer that you get with. And you get, because you get so many more users as well, you could have an e commerce store with millions of buyers. Whereas with enterprise, it's a lot more focused. So maybe you already have hundreds of users you won't have like millions it doesn't work like that in enterprise and b2b but uh, so i love i love like b2c is amazing because of the broad depth of data that you can get
0: yeah and the just the, the totally different types of users you have like all over the spectrum that you have to adapt your design to or just make a like a, a design that's like <laughs> useful for everybody is pretty much impossible sometimes.
1: You know, it's interesting. I was speaking to a designer at Wix and she was saying that um, they don't have personas because their user base is so global that they have to they have to design for everyone. And it's funny, the other day, I, just, I was in the airport the other day and decided to do I don't know if you watched my story <laughs> when I was in the airport, but I was talking about how on a global scale, you know, you have to, You have to design for everyone, and then the design just is a lot more universal than just designing for, say, lawyers who are like twenty-five to fifty, based in London, you know, and work at X companies. It's very different, Um, and therefore, you're you're in. You have to do more inclusive design. You have to do more global design, which is I find super interesting. It might not be as creative, and some people might not like that but i i think it's a it's a great challenge
0: it it seems like a huge challenge to design for everyone because there's like this saying if you design for everyone you don't you don't you don't like you design for none because you don't you, you can't hit your like you, you can you can't you can't design for everyone because there's uh, going to be certain groups you you're missing out on okay
1: they start with Google they start like they had certain users but at some point they become so global that they are designing for everyone everyone uses google.com everyone uses facebook.com everyone uses instagram.com you know and if we look at instagram let's say their interface and UX hasn't changed for many many years because it needs to stay their design system needs to stay very um high level of usability so you can't get crazy with that
0: no that's, that that's true and before we jump right into the deep end we I think we need to define what a design system is for for some of my listeners who may not be that well versed in, in the UX field um, can you put some words on what you think or what how, how you have worked with design systems
1: yeah so I've really seen design systems evolve over the past um, eight years. Mm. and we used to basically a design system is a combination of two different systems that we used to have one was called a style guide and one was called a pattern library so the style guide is something that print designers will be very familiar with or it's very similar to like a branding guide as well where you'll have you'll state the font you'll state the colors you'll state how the font is used how the logo is used and um you know, if there's any iconography or if there's any shapes, any branding shapes, you'll stay all of that in a style guide. Then, with the oncoming of web design, what started to happen was that we had a lot more components to design for. We had things like buttons, things like forms, things like sliders, things like menus, right? And in print design, it is a lot more simple in terms of a brand component, like the you know, you have, say, posters, you have, say, um, business cards. You'll have a letterhead. You'll have maybe a large, um, what's the word for it? There's banner. there's advertisements.
0: Banners? They're banners?
1: No, but they're not. They're the, like web banners. You know, when you go outside and you see the big ads, what are they called? I totally forgot. Bill billboards? Billboards. Oh. <laughs> I oh, <man. laughs> just left my brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> billboards. And there is isn't. But with web what's so interesting is that all these different components can live in so many different ways so think about if you've got a digital brand that has to exist on a phone and has to exist on a computer and it has to exist on a watch you know that's you've got all your components have to change and flow and also have the same look and feel right because that's the true that's real branding when Mm. it comes down experience consistency is key and what was happening when I first started web design was that you would build it in pages you would think in pages and pages could look different and you could have you know each page could have its own buttons and its own type and I know it sounds funny now but that's what we used to do I don't know why (laughs) and well um, the first time I made a pattern library was because we had um, the CSS in the current site that i was working was really broken and we needed to create one css sheet right and you basically had you know you would have button orange you know dot one or dot two dot three and every time we made a new class it would break everything <laughs> so I like, that's it let's just have one button that's gonna look the same across the, across the site and across the mobile and all of that so Right? <laughs> yeah so it's called the pattern library and in this pattern library there's also code where code developers in all over the company could come in they could grab these rules and they can put it in the page or component that they're building for the site to keep consistency and they could refer to the guide of this of the pattern library and you would have things like buttons you'd have things like forms you'd have things like radio buttons you'd have things like switches and you'd build out this online living pattern library so as we went on um we both had these two deliverables the style guide which was for like the designers the in-house designers that they would refer to which could be printed out with some usually a pdf and then you had the pattern library which was a living online mini website where the developers would go on and grab icons and grab the logo and grab all of that and it wasn't sustainable basically so what came to be was design systems (laughs) we combined these two together and what we have nowadays are these amazing collaborative design systems that live on the web and live separately to say a brand's website or brand's app And everyone all over the company can come to the design system and see the tone of voice, see the style, see the coding style, see the grid style, all of that stuff. So all the different people that are creating for digital. And it's also useful for marketers um, to refer to when they say have a need or product managers They see, oh, it needs to fit within the the design system. And design systems are important because, I'm sorry, they um, they create consistent branding and usability across a brand's digital. These are important because one brand could have many different digital products or could have one digital product that lives across many different platforms and devices and it it's a living and breathing um, live Website, which is always, which you can update because it's live, and you can keep consistent. And it's where every single employee of the company can come and have those guys to build for the brand to keep everything consistent across, you know, company wide.
0: What would be a what would be a good everyday uh, example of a design
1: system that people might know? Um, So Mailchimp have a really good design system, but also like Google material design is a brilliant design system, absolutely fantastic. iOS, Apple have an amazing design system. iOS human guidelines, that's a brilliant design system. You know, and these these companies are so large that they put out their design systems to everyone because people will be building for their apps and for their app stores. And they need to understand material guidelines. Those are global design systems that you know everyone needs to follow and then you'll have more internal i think that i remember the bbc used to have a really good design system salesforce have a good design system um i think there's a <laughs> website that i could probably share with you which which hosts which is a is a, um, a resource for the design systems
0: yeah but 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 is um it's also important uh, i would say that uh, to no- note that design system is not only di- di- digital; it's it's also analog, and you can see it out and about in in uh, in the streets. I think a good example um, where I think uh, a good use of design system is on the Tube, um, and just all the iconography and 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 and, and the, the typography is so um, it's so consistent throughout, so you know how to find your way around the tube, and it's it's the same in, in Copenhagen as well. Um, just like the public transportation system, how you use um, design system to guide people around. Um, and it's and can...
1: yeah, that's amazing. Actually, that we're now taking digital terms to like analog and saying like the subway system or airports are designed, <laughs> We never call them that. We never called them that. They were just that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just design, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but 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 that's how it is with new technology, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know what I find really interesting is when I see web styles in print, like icons in print. You know, I find that really interesting because icons. Why? Why do we have icons? Because we have small spaces, so we ha- we can't write. You know, we can't write text in those small spaces. We can't write menu all the time. We can't write. Uh, what well, are popular icons or print? You know, so we have iconography that are, that is more flexible. So it's very interesting to see. Whereas print, there's a lot more room and a lot more space, right? Um, it's interesting to see how that flows over, how yeah. like both influence each other.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that I think that's yeah, that's that that's a good example of 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 digital versus analog and how it's uh, it's it's used across. Um, Do we think we need them?
1: Design systems systems. Yeah We need them or we're going to get back to the days Where every page looked different (laughs) I remember there was a website I'm not joking, there was a website I went on, I think it was for a band The homepage looked one way You clicked on the button, went inside It looked looked completely different And it was (laughs) You didn't know if you were on the same site still (laughs) but not only that but also as I said like with things like Apple Watch with things like Voice with things like screens in really different weird places like on fridges or on you know in stores you need to keep you need to have a solid style guide that can adapt and flow to whatever comes next
0: yeah and you need that yeah we don't know what's
1: coming next we have no idea
0: oh that's (laughs) nice (laughs) <laughs> right. And you need and and yeah, I think the key word is also consistency, right? You need to be consistent throughout all your products. Um but wouldn't you also say or wouldn't some people argue that 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 is what you call branding? Right? You have to have consistency and you have to have something that's that's um, recognizable on every platform and every product and and some would argue but that 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 is just branding good branding is just that people recognize the product all, all along
1: no it's good usability as well mm. because you're now used to it this is the language for like google like let's say let's take google google have this button this round button that you know sometimes it's called the fab button i forgot what it stands for Fix action button yeah that sometimes they have on the bottom of the screen, you know, the mobile. And we know, we've been trained, that this button is a primary button. And we see that across from mobile. And that's not just branding, that could be a different colour, you know. I mean, I know nowadays they've, they've made it into the multicolored plus button, but back in the day it could have been red, it could have been blue, it could have been orange, it could have been yellow. And that's not branding, that's usability, that's user experience, you know. And the same with buttons. Consistency is a key principle in user experience. It's very important.
0: Yeah. Um, do you think, do you think that, 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 you almost touched upon it earlier, but do you, do, do you think the design system actually make it easier for people to use given pro, uh, certain products or uh, services?
1: yeah 100% 100% because the first time you use a product, let's say you'll have that learning curve right and you won't necessarily be familiar with these kind of buttons or these kind of interactions Uh, but then the next time you come right if you don't have a design system then your users won't be used won't be able to adapt to your product easier and um, so that it's not just the look it's also the feel it's the interactions it's like do we swipe left to delete or do we swipe right to archive you know (laughs) each one of these things that's a cognitive um load on the user so the more familiar there's something called jacob's law in ux which states that the sites that people spend their most time on are the sites that people become the most familiar on. Therefore, when a user experience person is designing a website, they should look at the most popular websites that their user base uses and base their decisions on that. And I know some people who are creative, are like, oh no, want to be creative, you want to start from scratch, you know. I said the other day, like, I'm sure. We would love to redesign the airport system because <laughs> mm. wouldn't it be fun if you went to say Denmark and the icons were in Denmark style? And, and <sighs> if you went to England, you had them in the British style and with tea and the crumpets and all of that stuff. But people would be confused, you know? Yeah, yeah. And people aren't even staying in London, they're going through Heathrow to New York. You need to have a consistent design system in airports because otherwise you're not going to know how to get around and what's the use case in in airports usually I need to get somewhere I need to get to the plane the plane's on the other side of the airport it's in the terminal five and I'm in terminal one like (laughs) and if you start getting creative with your design system and your design like it everyone's just it's going to be a bit careful you know people miss their flights Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's going to come you know even as children we remember we remember the signs we remember that's the toilet that's the suitcase area. We become familiar over the years. So when we're like adults and we go into airport, we know exactly where to go. We know exactly what to do. You know, this is passport control. This is where the lounges are, this is where the food court is. It's all very familiar. There's no text, you know, with these icons, There's no text underneath. They're just icons. And it's so important that um, it's, it's you know, one of the airports or one of I would say um one of those user experiences that you have to get right, because it, it it would it would cost the industry millions if it wasn't usable and robust and future friendly.
0: No, I, I think you're you're totally right. Airport is is a prime example of of great use of design system, like more globally used. But but I, it actually leads me into one of my questions, um, like design system versus culture, because some systems are more designed. I don't know. Disregarding cultures, I would say. Um, how would you see that? Because there, there might be, there might be like um, in certain cultures where you have um, certain paradigms, how you swipe or how you interact with stuff and how you read stuff, for example, um, from left to right or right to left. Um, and 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 I would see that some design system may disregard cultural norms. Um, what is your take on that have you experienced that or is that something that, that you think that is
1: one of the greatest challenges in design systems is that we're not inclusive enough we're not nope. inclusive enough of those with disabilities and with those who are hearing impaired with those who need assistance we don't take those what people may even call edge cases which is not so nice um, that we don't we're not that inclusive, we're not that aware, and we don't include that in our design system, and I've definitely seen issues, especially in UX writing, which is a uh, new and upcoming, that...
0: Can, can you define that, please? Because because I think that's that's quite a new term, uh, especially here in Denmark, because uh, I find it... Yeah, I'm not gonna get too much into that, because I find it just as, as a funny term for for, for a copywriter or something like that. But yeah, can you, can you please define what a UX writer is?
1: UX team was quite a few years ago and I had a team of designers and developers, but I knew, I don't know why I knew, but I knew we needed a copywriter. <laughs> People are like, why do you need a copywriter I'm like, yeah, because we have text on the page.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I was saying I'm one of those people or one of those designers who struggles to to come up with clever text when I'm designing. So so I I could totally use sometimes a let's say a UX writer or a copywriter to to provide me the text that I need to use in my designs. Um, yeah.
1: Was that the copywriting team were treating it like pages, right? They would <laughs> they would ask us for the page, right? The wireframe. And they would put the copy in. And I found that was not a great process because it didn't flow. It wasn't really a user experience. It's a flow within you know, a certain bigger system. And you have to write um, every stage of that flow. You can't separate it into pages. And that goes back to the whole when we used to look at websites as pages because that was taken from print. And you had these terminologies like above the fold and below the fold, which now seems so ridiculous <laughs> yeah you know there's no such every, i'm about arguing with people about the fold. i'm like there's no such thing as a forward everyone scrolls we need to get over this mentality <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all scrolling and swiping right yeah
1: and um what was i gonna say yeah and it was just the, the workflow wasn't well so i got a copywriter writer over the team who was also started a code as well and we together we would we would write copy and what's funny was that in the i think in the 60s there's a famous agency that put a copywriter and a designer in the same room and they saw production of design execution and creative execution saw because the designer and the copywriter could work together in creating the advertisement and creating the magazine cover because it's copy and text like text and design, it goes hand in hand. And we yeah. can't we can't be in separate departments. We can't we need to be together and with developers. I'm a big fan of multidisciplinary teams, teams that have a designer, developer, writer, project manager working all together on, say, and focusing on one area, for one feature. That and they can because I believe the project. Everyone should start the project together. You shouldn't have this like button scenario that we have now. After it starts here, then it goes there, and then people, then 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 they'll say the the designer has moved on to another project and they're not available to help the developer who now who now doesn't know what to do. I found that multi spinning teams that have all these people. To products so back to your question about the ux writer (laughs) ux writers basically write the copy the, the copy for digital products which is ranges from the buttons to the headlines to um micro text to long form and what they what they what they have to specialize in is having that user mindset of going through the interactions they would they need to predict those emotions that the person is going through and when they get an error how does that feel how can i because errors happen and how can i comfort this person or give them a message that is humanized to help them through the experience and it's funny like i what i saw something recently that i think it was a robot and i And someone wrote like he had a problem or something and the robot goes, that sounds great. Yeah, I was like, no, it no, didn't. No, no. <laughs> he was like, I'm having this problem on the platform. And he was like, that's brilliant. Thank you for telling me. And I was like, no. And it's why we can't, which is why I personally believe that AI, some people think it's going to take over the world. <laughs> and I don't think so because uh, and because I see that people are, shying away from it because it's creating such negative experiences and we're emotional people and we'll always we like to think we're logical and rational we're not (laughs) we make decisions based on emotions and if we have a negative experience of a bot we won't go back to the bot We we won't feel like this is convenient it's not you know and a lot of people, especially with voice, are telling me they're bad experience, they don't get enough feedback from the voice they say, oh I can type it in quicker. And the whole thing with voice was that it's meant to stop you from typing, you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that also is...
0: Do you, do I, you I, use voice assistance?
1: No, I don't because like my accent, no one understands my accent and the robots really no? don't understand my accent.
0: I, I, have a, I have a Google Home and I only use it in English, which is it seems stupid when I'm home and speaking English to myself, but uh, the Danish version is so bad. It it, it can't do any, uh, that many commands that it can um, can do in English. So it it it's kind of useless in Danish actually at the moment. So. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> such a shame, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very, very much, much a shame. shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so, so, so I, bought I bought it because, because I
0: thought, oh, okay, now Danish is available, and but I don't mind speaking English, but but it's it's just. It's just a bit of a letdown that, that you have to speak in your second language sometimes <laughs> to, to to get it to turn on the T V or play music or something like that.
1: You speak Danish and it's not emotionally. You are home. This is your home, this is your comfort, this is where you when you put in your pajamas, you know, like <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> where, exactly.
1: Where you eat, you know, your ice cream and no one's looking into you, you know, as much ice cream as you like and <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's home. It's your place of comfort. And to speak in a language that's not familiar to you, that's not a great use experience.
0: Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I, I, and I gave one to my my parents as well, but they they turned it off right away because they they couldn't get Google to to do the things they wanted to. So, um, but I think um, their age group is a bit, yeah.
1: But also, it's embarrassing, like, I was trying to use Siri at work and people were just, like, not laughing at me, but they were, like, they just thought I was being funny, you know, I was like, Siri, open Google Docs, you can't do that in an office, like, you just can't.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, that's right, no. It just seems weird. There's still, still this stigma of talking to your, I don't know, your device or just your face or your hand or something like that. There's still this stigma about going around and talking to yourself.
1: Yes, and so if you can't use that at the workplace, and you can't really use it at home, when are you going to use it? You're not really going to use it, that's what No, saying. no,
0: that's right.
1: We definitely had high hopes for it.
0: Yeah, I think in, in five, ten years' time, it's going to be a bit better, uh, hopefully, and I think companies are, are pushing uh, a great deal to implement more like virtual assistants in, in, in some way.
1: I just think we we're really inspired by sci-fi, you know, I, yeah. I like, I like, also like the Jetsons, like, oh, yeah, the
0: flying cars, yeah.
1: <laughs> and we were just like, like, turn off, you know, and but oh, it, yeah. it doesn't listen.
0: <laughs> the, the clapper did exist, right? That was in the 90s or something like
1: that. Oh, you the cla- clap, yeah, yeah, yes, and yeah, turn on the
0: lights. Um, now we have Phil- Philip Hue instead, right? So,
1: <laughs> I think, I think mean, the clapping is great. Yeah, I think so
0: too. Uh, <laughs> instead of uh, grabbing your mobile and going into an app and and telling it to turn off the lights, clapping would be just easier, right?
1: Much easier, especially when yeah. you're going to sleep. And you don't want also like when you go to sleep, you don't want to open your phone and see the blue light. It's just it's not a great. You've got that. That's the key of user experience. You have to put yourself in the user's shoes. You have to think what they're doing now. Oh, they're in bed. They're going to sleep. Do they really want to open the phone? No, they don't oh, they're at home, they're speaking, they probably want to speak their native language because it's their comfort. And it's those, if we don't put the user first, right, and I hate using the word term user, I prefer the word human, right, or even calling people by their names. (laughs) 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 Like, that's why we like personas a lot, even though, design globally and personas becoming less important but what I do like about personas is in, like in meetings you can be like so you know Marcus is Danish and he lives in <laughs> Denmark and you know we can't have English because he's going to feel um, that it's not including him, that's, that's exclusive you know and I think it's that kind of language we need to move away from youth and move away to human being you know
0: yeah Uh I, I agree with you. Um, I think, yeah. Um, so, so you're you're very much into the human centered design approach.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, because yeah. I think everything else kind of fails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't work. Like, I don't know why we kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, very into you know user first, human first. And over my years, when things were first coming about in um, user experience and I was able to get customer data which was a combination of Google, going into Google Analytics and putting feedback forms on the website and going to speak directly to customer service and gathering their data and I thought when I took that and put it into my design work and then I would A/B test against the old design you would see a shot in engagement and for me that that hooked me I was like wow can, wow. I, <laughs> I never experienced that and I thought it was magical and of course it makes so much sense to put the user first.
0: Just here on the last, uh, before we round up, um, where can people like, find you and connect with you if they want to follow your work?
1: Instagram, the
0: Yeah, I will provide some links in the show notes as well, uh, so people, people can, can find you. Find you. So yeah, thing I'm thing. like,
1: just DM me, I respond the best to DMs. Um, I know some people have tried to email me, I'm rubbish at that, don't do that. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> you were so fast at responding in, in the DMs, so, so yeah, I, I can vouch for that. <laughs>
1: You know what, no, please DM me at times. Like, don't worry about formalities, okay? <laughs> like, I'm I'm chilled, okay? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that will be the last words, so thank you very much for joining me.
1: Okay, thank you for having me. It's been really fun, it's such a pleasure.